Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities, and you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, UIC, or Chicago Community Trust. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open and you can post comments and questions. And for those of you who are following on Facebook, we encourage you strongly to go to at UICCNM on Facebook or Twitter. And if you want to participate in a chat room, you can post comments, but you'll have to open a listener-only account. You can find a link to open the account on the episode page, and you can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You'll find a nonprofit new fan page on Facebook. For our purposes today, though, we encourage you strongly to go to the UIC CNM Facebook page, so our conversations are all in one place on Facebook. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark, but if you're in the chat room or if you're on Facebook, you can start posting now. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Today's episode is Rock Your Giving Tuesday, using aligned storytelling to increase fundraising. We all know how important it is to engage in Giving Tuesday activities to maximize your year-end fundraising. Today, we'll talk about storytelling strategies that will take you into Giving Tuesday and beyond. We'll talk about integrating your organization's mission, vision, and goals and objectives, We'll talk about how to blend human interest with organizational data that anticipates donor inquiries and how to achieve maximum effect by crafting stories with a backdrop, a villain, and a hero. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and participate in live chats at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit professionals are especially encouraged to call in and share your stories and questions. Our guests for today are Daniel Ash, Chief Marketing Officer for Chicago Community Trust, and Princess Currents. She's the director of the UIC Certificate in Nonprofit Management Program. In the interest of time, I won't go through a long spiel about what they've accomplished. Believe me, they have accomplished much. I will have them to introduce themselves and come to you in their own way. So without further ado, I want to say thank you so much, Princess and Daniel. It's such an honor to have you. And we'll start with you, Dan. Um, Can you tell us about yourself, the Chicago Community Trust, and how you came to work with the organization? 
Thank you, Valerie. Um, first of all, I'm happy to be here today with you and Princess. Um, about me and the trust. Uh, first of all, I've been at the trust for four years, and as you know, I'm the chief marketing officer. And simply put, my responsibility is to help um, build, strengthen the Chicago Community Trust brand. Um, I want my listeners today to know that the trust serves two primary audiences. One, the nonprofit sector, great making and our convening power. Um, and we also serve donors. And our brand must be positioned to support sort of both of those endeavors. And um, I'm responsible for making sure that that happens. Um, the trust is the area's um, community foundation. Um, so, point of fact, that we're the largest grant maker to sort of area nonprofits um, each year. Um, $200 million of grants are made um, from the trust. Um, I'll leave it here for now. Thanks, Dan. And again, I echo um, for being here, and thank you for the invitation, um, Valerie. I'm the Director of Health Sciences Education and Workforce Development, and also a Certificate for Nonprofit Management. And basically what that means is that I help organizations and people able to achieve their professional and workforce goals. And the Certificate of Nonprofit Management Program help practitioners really kind of grapple with and solve some of the day-to-day -day issues and um, projects they have to really move their mission and vision forward. Um, we also help organizations figure out how to get the best out of their employees and how to kind of build capacity through our educational opportunities. Um, I've been here at the university for about I guess almost eight years now. I've been here at the UIC Extended Campus, which really is a kind of entrepreneurial arm of the university, where our goal is to provide educational opportunities for folks um, outside the traditional space, um, so they're able to do their advanced degrees and online experience um, that meets their lifestyle. So really excited to talk to you about some of the um, experiences that I've had in a nonprofit space, um, having had a nonprofit and for-profit, but also um, focused on helping other nonprofits uh, able to achieve capacity and continue with their uh, vision and missions. Okay, great. Thank you so much for that, Princess. Dan, as you know, we're in the run-up to Giving Tuesday, and folks are working fast and furiously on their year-end giving campaigns. Sometimes there's a tendency to focus so much on catchy messages that play well on social media that we forget to develop our stories and engage prospective funders after they follow up. What would you say are the key elements of a great nonprofit story? Well, first of all, um, I want to make a few points about sort of when, what should a story do, and then I'll come back to the elements of a strong story. Okay, great. Um, first and foremost, a story is a vessel that carries um, emotion. Right? Stories are emotional constructs, right? A good story evokes emotional response. Um, so doesn't matter if you're in a nonprofit space, the for-profit space, um, or you're in your living rooms um, telling us, sharing the story with grandchildren. Um, stories are emotional. Um, stories actually aim, most stories do a couple of things. One, 
they help um, individuals remember um, stories influence behavior um, and a good story sort of connects the listener to their own sense of humanity I so and I one way to sort of put that is um, think about this in your own experience a, a good story helps you reflect more deeply on who you are as an individual so I like to start there because sometimes we make storytelling a very abstract thing and only a few people can do it and gifted can do it. We, I can't. Um, we all tell stories every single day. Um, so <clears throat> the elements of a nonprofit story. So I want to underscore just a few just to get us started. Um, every good story has a character, right? Um, there has to be a individual at the center of the story, and that individual has to have a couple of things in play. One, that character has to be seeking something. There has to be a desire for something, um, and that character um, has to endure or confront some level of conflict. Now, I know we're not sort of writing for gear, we're writing for nonprofits. But I, I start there, Valerie, because too often um, nonprofits sort of we abandon sort of these, these ideas when we think about our own stories. Um, too often we try to write stories about ideas or we write stories about organizations. And we have to, um, when we think about our storytelling, in the run-up to any giving campaign, and most certainly a big campaign like in Tuesday, we have to come back to sort of the person, that individual, that prototype individual who benefits from our service. Like we have to tell their story. Um, mm -hmm. um, another point, and this is embedded in the question, um, slogans never, ever, ever <laughs> um, contain a story. Um, slogans, by definition, are meant to be ephemeral um, um, and, and not have sort of deep meaning. They're, they're meant to sort of scratch the surface, um, just make you think a certain way. But again, the, the thought is sort of fleeting. So here, you most certainly, as you know, should not depend on stories, I mean, a slogan or a gimmicky catchphrase. But mm -hmm. instead, dig deep, think about the person who's benefiting from the service and tell their story. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Princess, you have had significant grant writing experience as a founder of a nonprofit and as well as a director in others and in your current role as director of the UIC Certificate Nonprofit Management Program. Can you share some strategies that you've used Craft your nonprofit stories, and and Dan, I hope I didn't cut you off. Did no, no, no. Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, thank you, Valerie, and I think Dan really hit the the main high notes. And when I talked to nonprofits, and when I was uh, writing grants uh, ourselves, when you're trying to get that character, oftentimes uh, nonprofits start thinking about their message and their character when it's time to ask for funding. And they actually should be thinking about that all the time. They should understand who they are. They should know their why. They should know their mission. They started this nonprofit for a reason. 
So the question is, what is that reason? What motivates um, you? What inspires you? And how can you translate, as Dan said, so aptly that emotion to the folks that you're trying to reach? And how can they be inspired and be passionate? But first, you have to know your why. Um, you also have to know what sets you apart, okay? You know, what's different about you and others? And we're not talking about hyperbole or racing to the bottom saying, I started from nothing and I, now I have $100,000 or talking about racing to the top, but now I have a million dollars a week. But it really is, you know, what is your impact? How are you serving that passion that you said that you started as an organization for? How are you actualizing that? Um, but as Jen said about slogan, you got to be true to your brand, right? <laughs> so I'm not Nike, so I can't, you know, say, you know, I can do all these things for you if that if I actually stand sell candy bars. You know? mm -hmm. So really understanding, you know, don't fall into that trap of hyperbole. You know, don't exaggerate because people can spot or smell something that's not true. Um, be concise. Uh, we always talk about less is more. Right? So mm -hmm. making sure that it's simple. Um, I, oftentimes when I advise nonprofits, I talk about these three areas and you're talking about describing your message. And it really is three fundamentals. It's problem, solution, success. you got to be able to figure out how your organization, what's, what issue that your, your organization is trying to solve or you're helping that character overcome. Mm -hmm. um, what is the solution to that? So how does your organization help with that and how have you been successful in doing that? And then for the funder perspective, how can they help you do that? Right? How can they have an impact? Right? How can they be involved in helping that character overcome whatever? Um, and then the last three are, are sense of belonging and getting personal. Right? You want something that speaks to the funder, but you think about that person that really kind of evoked that emotion that she had you for. But you really have to know thyself. Believe that you can actually achieve that and have the confidence, right? So you're saying that you can have X outcome, knowing that you're actually able to do that. And then lastly, having a vision, right? So you're asking them something now, what's going to happen when you give them to give it to you? And then what's going to happen after that? <laughs> you know, so you have kind of a long way vision. That's kind of like some of the strategies in that show that I would often employ that is similar to any space as Dan said, for profit, profit or even if you're in a department uh, trying to get volunteers to be involved. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for that. All right, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with Daniel Ash, Chief Marketing Officer at the Chicago Community Trust, and Princess Currents, the Director of the UIC Certificate in Nonprofit Management Program. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience in chat room in about about the 30-minute mark, so about 2.30 or so. And the call-in number is 347-884-8121. And again, if you're participating on Facebook, um, today we're asking that you go to the CNM Facebook page. So that's at, at CNMUIC. Is, is that it? Or I'm sorry, I think I got it wrong. <laughs> At UIC CNM. <laughs> yep, that's close. <laughs> I, I'm sorry about that. Um, so thank you so much for that, Princess. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Daniel. Um, Dan, there is a lot of emphasis on nonprofits developing their stories. And at the same time, you know, funders also have their narratives. 
So can you share some strategies that nonprofits can use to make sure their narratives are in alignment with funders' narratives? And then two, um, I know you touched on it, but a lot of times when we think about tell your story, you know, can you start off by reminding us what exactly does that mean? Because I know somebody like me, I never met a word I, I didn't like. I'll just go on and on and on, as you can tell from this question. <laughs> so, so at any rate, um, can you share some of the strategies where folks are exchanging stories more or less? Mm -hmm. Well, let, let me go. I want to pick up on that. directly to this question. It's a phrase, no thyself. And one way to think about this is that every institution, every organization, department, is a matter of the context. Um, but you have to know your emotional core, right? And what's at the core of, of your cause? What are you trying to do? Um, so when, when people hear the word branding, particularly if they think about brand management, but ultimately, when you talk about branding, you're talking about emotion. Um, and again, the, the commercial example is like Nike, or so the sort of wrap their mind because they do it so well, right? Um, but they, and it all starts with knowing what you are, um, why you exist, um, that sense of purpose. Um, now, as you think about funders, um, first of all, in the context of Giving Tuesday, I wanted the audience to not think of funder as an institution, but think of funder as donors, individuals, who, um, as individuals, we all have an emotional core, right? We all have sort of this deep sense of who we are. And we all know that, that there's, for some, for many of us, a struggle to tap into that but when it comes to communicating a message um, to the, an individual, I mean, you're often trying to think about who you are and how you express it so you connect with that, that other human being. Particularly in Given Tuesday, you're talking about gifts of 10, 15, 25 dollars. You're talking about, say, in a business retail fund, right? <laughs> um, the people who respond to campaigns are responding to is a rational sort of action in response to an emotional trigger, right? Okay. Um, and, you know, that's why I go back to the statement I made at the top of this broadcast. Um, in many cases, people give because they're, they're giving because of uh, this natural and innate sense to be human, be generous, be given. Um, so I, I don't want the, the end user, the, the person listening here, to sort of forget about that. Another sort of point I want to make is think about long-term and institutional don't funders like the Chicago Community Trust, a large foundation, family foundation. They, too, have emotional cores as a business. And you have to spend a significant amount of time trying to sort of tap into this. Um, let me give you a couple of examples. There's some institutional funders that 
um, at their core, at their emotional core. It's research. It's academic. It's scholar. It's, it's um, in some cases, for others, it's advocacy. Um, in some cases, it's all about direct service, very similar to an individual, right, response. Um, what you have to, if you think about storytelling, and whether your story, and whether it aligns with the story of so the foundation, really it's community time, understanding that institution. Now, my belief is that if you're um, a nonprofit system fund, um, in most cases, there is an opportunity to align sort of your story with a, a fund. Um, now, of course, you're a direct service organization, and that's all you do, and a funder is um, only funds research. Don't waste your time, right? Right, right. <laughs> so there, there has to be some, some <laughs> pragmatism there where you understand the target. Um, but if you assume that there's, again, they fund things that you do, um, how you position your work has to start with what you do. So it's about your story, not about theirs. Um, but then you can think about sort of emphasis um, and then decide sort of to sort of promote or sort of want to push forward more aggressively certain aspects of the story that resonate or can align more prominently than others. Um, one way to, um, the, the trust, for example, is place-based. Um, if you're um, engaging a community foundation, um, trying to find ways to underscore how your story, the characters are connected to place is an important uh, way of communicating to the community foundation. Um, so again, if there's certain categories that um, kind of guide you, you know, in terms of like where the alignment should be. There's some funders that are, they don't place, doesn't matter. National funders, many of them. Um, they're global funders. They, they think about the issues, they think about um, things. Um, and again, you know, sort of focus on place in that context may not be as important. But again, that, that type of due diligence, that type of research is helpful. Um, but I now I say this to say that Doing your homework matters, but as you think about the actual construction of a story and the delivery of a story, it still has to come back to character. It still has to come back to a challenge slash conflict. It still has to come down to how that character, particularly with the interventions or the services that's provided by a nonprofit, overcome those challenges, right? You know, too too often we do all of that work and then we bury our lead. <laughs> you bury you bury the character, right? And you make it more about the institution. Um, when I arrived at the trust, Valerie, for instance, you probably can appreciate this too. When um, we're a hundred two year old organization, and too often some of our literature, particularly I guess as we age and approach our centennial, began with the fact that we were a hundred years old. Um, and while that's a very powerful notion that they've been around, so the, the ability to endure, you know, is that the most important um, mm -hmm. part of the story? Is that the thing that's going to make you relevant? Right. Right. 
Um, so I would often sort of challenge my team to think, yeah, it's, it's important to celebrate mm-hmm. this you know, But can we celebrate in a way that puts us in the now, right? Puts us here, mm-hmm. you know? So our history provides guidance, provides a sense of um, depth that is critical. But if you, if you spend too much time there, you know, people will see you as you know, default, disconnected for now. Right. Um, so again, as I think about alignment of a nonprofit's narrative with potential donor, individual institution, it's do your homework. A, B, you know, know your story, and then find ways to build emphasis in a way that aligns. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself rewriting your story, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're taking the wrong step. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I always heard that good writing is rewriting. <laughs> well, well, I think, no, you, you have to iterate your story in order to get it right. Mm-hmm. But if you find yourself adapting your story to the you. point where you're changing mm-hmm. I got you. your story in order to align with the nonprofit, you're wasting you. your time. Yeah. yeah. Well, talk this thoughts of the season, right? Exactly. 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 You, if you're not authentic to yourself, the donor's going to, individual donor, an individual, and an institution will pick up on it. Mm-hmm. An inauthentic story, feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you feel it because you don't feel it, mm-hmm. right? Like when you feel an emotional core, it's because it's real. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you can't mm-hmm. consistently um, represent true emotion in an inauthentic mm-hmm. People know it's inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, institutions become inauthentic when they start massaging and adapting, Mm -hmm. repositioning their story to the point where they lose that emotional core. They lose that know thyself. Mm -hmm. When you lose your own story, um, then, quite frankly, nobody will respond to you emotionally. If they don't respond to you emotionally as an institution, they're not going to give to you. They're not going to support you. They're not going to volunteer. Mm-hmm. So you won't see the time, talent, treasure come to you because people won't believe it. Right. And I don't know, that reminds me of the case that I had. Um, I can remember when I ran a nonprofit, small nonprofit, and we were, you know, initially started using private funds. We got to a point where we were growing and then we started taking public funds. And you know, with public funds, those are really contracts and not really grants. So you're basically um, in contract to do a program that's already been developed. And we were trying to stay true to the programs that we had designed. But at the same time, we had to um, you know, do everything that was prescribed in this contract. And at the end of the year, I said, thank you, but no thank you. That was the worst mistake we ever made. I, I felt like we were getting away from our original mission. And Princess, it looks like you have something to say that you want to chime in about. You might have had a similar experience, just making sure that we don't get away from our missions or something. Right. And I I think uh, along those lines, if if you can't deliver as well, right, if you're not doing something that's in your wheelhouse, right? So Mm -hmm. if you try to go too far out of the wheelhouse, it's kind of like trying to make a dish at home. You never made it before. 
and then you don't put all the right spices in, it doesn't taste the same, it doesn't have the same flavor because you never cooked it before. But if you tasted it before, you knew what it tasted before, you knew what types of flavors to put in it, and you can make it your own dish. And the same thing goes with, you know, trying to cultivate, you know, donors or, or relationships, right? You want to make sure that it's something that you have something, have something in common, like with any relationship, right? You right, want to make right. sure that you have something in common, that you have things to talk about. And I wanted to piggyback on something that Dan said. I think it's really um, silly in this issue of doing your homework, um, mm-hmm. issue of finding things that you have in common. Um, but I, I think that goes along with the challenges you spoke to the nonprofits have because funding is so tight and so we're willing to chase any funding sometimes. Um, to make sure that we're still afloat, but but making sure that you have that shared mission, um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the challenges. Uh, oftentimes, nonprofits are a one one stop shop. Every one person doing a fund. I know when I had nonprofits when I first started out, I I did all the contract funding, I did all the hiring, I did the contract, I did, that, <laughs> I did all the supplies, and then I was part of the presentation team, right? And with that, sometimes. Um, lose focus on documenting your successes because you're so marred in the business that so you don't have time to focus on the business mm-hmm. the different situations. You're so marred in the business, right? Right, right. So, you know, having and taking time out to, uh, I call it like, uh, how we're building our mission today, kind of in your check-in meetings with your team, to fix, so you can document those successes. Because we're so big on, okay, the next contract fulfilling that reporting requirement for um, making sure we're able to serve that client and we forget to take time out to document, well, how do we fulfill our mission? What did we do that was, how, what kind of character uh, came out of that that we need our donors to hear about that benefited from their um, their generosity? So that's kind of some of the biggest mistakes I see nonprofits making. One, not taking time to just document what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being very quick to ask for funds of being a friend to a funder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. so, like, first time I hear from you is, can I have some money? You know. Versus, you know, I think we have a shared mission. How can we partner and collaborate? Um, and I, I think also that we tend to, as nonprofits, um, to a misalignment, right? Like as Dan was saying earlier, like if an organization's researching, you're doing direct services. There's a misalignment that will slowly be grow for that particular grant. And sometimes that has a negative effect to the funder. You have been presented yourself as someone who not a good fit and not doing your homework so therefore not prepared so how are you going to be a good steward right it kind of like all connects together so i think that's a big uh a big issue of, of making sure that you have that shared mission and have those things in common okay thank you so much uh for that follow-up um princess i'm going to reach out to the folks in the audience and see if they have any questions and then we'll come back to you i know that was um, feedback from what Dan said, so you're next in line for questions. So until then, I'm going to take a question. I think um, there's someone who has called. His number or her number is seven seven three six two four zero five eight five. I'm going to turn your mic on, and if you have a question or comment for either one of our guests, please share. If not, I will go to the next person. So seven seven three six four zero five eight five you're on. Hello? Hi. Yeah. 
uh, this sound. There's a lot of feedback when she speaks, so I'm kind of hearing an echo when she's talking. Okay. So Who is she? I, I Who is she? Princess or me? The ladies are, the ladies are just going to speak. Okay. Not you. Yeah. So I, I missed some of what she said. Um, but uh, in as far as the storytelling, uh-huh. uh, I have found that you know, I've, I've learned to pocket two different narratives, the elevator narrative and the, uh, of course, the regular narrative. Um, and it, it, it's because I've practiced it for the last seven years. It's really uh, adapted to whatever changes that we've made. But in respect to Giving Tuesday and the shortness of uh, the time between now and that point, is there any tips you could give anyone who has pretty much an established pitch or an established narrative story uh, that is an absolute must? I, I may have missed it. You might have, I got it a little late, but um, is there an absolute must for Dan Ash? Okay, that's for Dan Ash? Yes. Okay, great. Dan, did you get the question? Catch the question? Yeah, in terms of if I, my understanding is an absolute must or something that we could do in the in the short runway between now and um, Giving Tuesday to maximize the response of Giving Tuesday. I think it's an opportunity to um, actually provide um, the sort of digestible chunks of content like in this sort of runway. So we often get this question about social media because Giving Tuesday is such a social media-driven campaign. How do you effectively use social media day over day in the run-up to Giving Tuesday? Here's one idea, um, and it's been tested by a number of organizations and proven to be successful. Um, finding uh, short vignettes, I underscore short, and I use this term in my staff, digestible chunks, a headline-driven, um, even shorter in the elevator sort of pitch, that a personification sort of of what you do. Um, so in many cases, it's um, telling a, a headline about someone who benefited from your program. Or if you're an advocacy organization, you know, reminding the your audience, which should, as Princess said, should have some relationship with you. You don't get strangers to give you money on Giving Tuesday. <laughs> you get people <laughs> who know you. But you have to remind them of sort of your, your stories of impact. So say say you had seven days in a run, seven days ahead of Giving Tuesday. And each day you decide to provide a, a, a really strong headline with one paragraph that represents seven um, stories of impact over the course of the past year. Um, so you could say, you know, we helped get this law changed, and the law meant that X people would have access to Y resources, right? Um, if you're if you're an organization that works with um, um, mentors, right? You know, if there you identify mentees, mentors, and you tell um, both through text and visual language, through photography, you show sort of your impact. Like this person has worked with this person for the last 24 months, and 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 there's a quote from the the mentee. Um, 
again, I know there's, you have to get a lot of clearances, mm-hmm. and so I understand there's a lot that goes into this, but you, in that runway leading up to Giving Tuesday, use it as an opportunity to remind people that A, we're here, two, here's sort of the emotional anchor that sort of guides our work, and three, here are the things that we've done. Um, and then when your ask comes on Giving Tuesday, the ask has, the ask has some context. Um, the last point I will make is this. Um, when Giving Tuesday, well, I've heard from people, oh, Giving Tuesday hasn't had the impact that we thought it would have. And I've always felt that when once I start asking questions to that fundraiser or to that executive director, we find that they sort of misused the platform and they were actually asking an audience um, that really wasn't their audience support, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. right? And the, the, I right. think the key for Giving Tuesday is to work the list that knows you. Mm-hmm. So um, to the caller, I, I before joining the Chicago Community Trust, I led the membership program for WPC for a decade. And it's one thing we knew at public radio, and I know public radio is different because we have a radio station and we talk to listeners every day. So I get that. But even on Giving Tuesday, this, um, we made sure that we spoke to that audience, not an audience that didn't, <laughs> not an audience that didn't have an emotional connection to us. So build mm-hmm. on the audience that you have. Ah. Work on converting them and uh, and and, and so start with your base start with your base when it comes to when it comes to the giving but also my point is use the campaign as a way of telling a story to those who may be on your fringe they may have some awareness of you maybe they're not at the point where they're going to want to give mm-hmm. um, but if they see a runway of content on their Facebook feed or LinkedIn page that helps them understand more deeply who you are and what you're about. Essentially, bring that elevator pitch to life. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, if that's a, that's a win, mm-hmm. and it's harder to measure because yep. they haven't yep. they haven't gone to the giving page and clicked the link and given. But if you can build some awareness mm-hmm. or deepen mm-hmm. uh, awareness with the current an audience member, that's a good thing. And then you'd work to leverage that through other channels over the course of time, um, the year ahead, the two years ahead, and so forth. So that was my short advice. Again, I know that's a long way of framing it, but the advice is um, using that runway to give bits of content that helps people have deeper understanding of what you've done, why you exist, what you've done. And, and quite frankly, there's elements there for like, what you need to their space, you know, in that runway to talk about what, what's on the horizon, what's mm-hmm. ahead. Okay, so it sounds like you're also building relationships. You're, you're taking these little sound bites, for lack of a better word, um, to start developing a relationship or reinforcing a relationship. You, you are, but I, I want to make sure that the audience understands that when I say headlines, it's headline on top of a, a bit of content that allows you to understand something important about the work right something about the character you think about you know character development um it may even help you understand more deeply the conflict right i got you um but it it has to have a some level of depth but 
again, the example I use with social media, too often the biggest mistake I see and I with social media is folks, um, they're, they're over-communicating in social media. What I mean by that is that they try to tell too long of a story, right? Yeah, I should, yeah. Um, I'm guilty. And, and, mm-hmm. and I learned this with NPR. We learned from those data. And you look at whether it's New York Times, whether it's nonprofits, people digest short amounts of content. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a lot of, when you take it in an aggregate, it's a lot of bits of content. Mm-hmm. But the bits of content, the, the nuggets of content that actually um, are most effective are content that is either video or photograph mm-hmm. with what I call kind of an annotated, with, um, the jargon is cut line, but I like I imagine an annotated caption, headline, photo, caption, headline, video, caption. And can that, can those, can those, chunks of content help round out the, the mm-hmm. yep. consumer's understanding of what you do, why you exist, who you serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, again, use the runway to start planting that type of content. And also, I mean, you made such a great point, Dan, because when you're talking about Giving Tuesday, you're also talking about an audience that already has a relationship with you. And one of the things, you know, by doing that is to understand who your audience is and, and what motivates them or what speaks to them and making sure you're using the right imagery or multimedia to do that. We have a a course that we have in our um, portfolio that talks about how this is an engagement course, but it talks about how you can how do you transfer social capital into social change basically right so how can you get folks who are already motivated and involved and invested in your uh, mission but maybe haven't taken that additional step to actually give or invest in in a different way right and so you have to think about well, what what motivates that that donor and, and what what makes them choose to make a decision that is all about discretionary, right? They don't have to make the decision. So what tips them over? Like, what's the tipping point? And so sometimes it's kind of like introspection. What would tip you over, you know, if you were that similar audience? Or then going out to your constituency and asking them what what sets you apart so you can be able to communicate that to your potential donor base. Mm-hmm. Well said. Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Princess. I'm going to take one more question, and then we'll get to your question. I am going to ask caller at area code 312-355-0089 if he or she has a question or comment. If you don't have a question or comment, um, we'll just stay silent, and then I'll go to the next person. Okay, your mic is live. Did you have a question or comment? Okay, I take it that you have no question or comment. Uh, the next number I'm going to try is area code 312-413-3278. I'm going to make your mic live, and if you have a question or comment, please share. 
Okay, no question or comment. And I'm going to try area code 312-413-9075. I'm going to make your mic live. If you have a question or comment, please share. Hello? Apparently, no question or comment. I really want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, I think we have a very good group um, based on what I see from the phone numbers. Okay, Princess, um, what are some of the challenges that nonprofits have worked, you know, that you've worked with in utilizing their organization's mission, vision, goals, and objectives to tell their stories? I, I know those things in and of themselves. You know, we're supposed to include those things, but if we're not careful, if you're like me, you can make a very, very boring story. So what's been your experience? And I know, too, that organizations tend to try to crystallize their vision, mission, and vision and goals. So um, I'm sorry. So without further ado, I'll just let you go and answer that question. Sure. Thanks, Valerie. I think some of the challenges are that People tend to have a mission that's too long. Um, they may have a they may have a vision that mission that they have for the organization that may be a paragraph. But when you're talking about trying to, as Dan said earlier, and as the caller had said earlier, that you want digestible bites. So not being able to say succinctly what your organization does, what it is trying to do, and how what they're trying to do for Giving Tuesday will help them accomplish those goals. But it can't be about the organization. I think that sometimes people, oftentimes when they're talking about their message, they're talking about the organization. The organization is great. The organization is wonderful. The organization is doing great work. No, no one wants to hear that, right? <laughs> they want to hear about who you're serving, what's what's the mission. They want to hear about the core message, which is why this issue that the reason why your organization started is important enough for me to want to support it. And so I think sometimes when they're thinking about organizations and mission division, they, they ironically are thinking about the institution and not necessarily the impact of the institution, and that is where the core message comes from, um, that it's about what your organization is doing, um, and not necessarily, yes, you want to talk about your great team and all that, but that's not what's going to, your HR org charts are going to motivate people to give, right? <laughs> what's going to motivate people to give is how much good you're doing and how you can do more if you have more investment. Basically, that's the theme, right? So being able to articulate, and that sometimes I think organizations have trouble articulating that because they're so passionate about the, the actual thing they're doing, sometimes it's hard to, like, boil that down to a sentence, right? Because this is their whole life, you know? <laughs> so it's hard for you to boil it down to one sentence to say, this is, this is the why, this is the what, and this is how we're successful, and this is why you should be involved. Um, so, I mean, I think those are the main things, I would say. 
Yeah, I always have a running joke with myself. I never met a word I didn't like. I, I should have been an attorney. I write these long, <laughs> <laughs> these long sentences with no verbs. <laughs> that take a whole page. It's frustrating to me, I tell you. I'm getting better, but I've still got a lot of work. <laughs> I can concur with that. I remember my I was an English major um, in high school. My high school teacher would say, Princess, when you think a comma should be there, don't put it. You know, or you... <laughs> I can be very bubble as well, so I definitely can relate to that. <laughs> okay, so Dan, did you have anything you wanted to add to, to Princess's comment? No, I I think she covered just about everything there. Yeah. If that reminds me of another another story from college. We used to ask, you know, how long should this paper be? And forgive me if this sounds sexist. He says, like a woman's skirt. Long enough to cover the subject, short enough to be interesting. I think I'm dating myself. I think I'm dating myself too. We'll talk like that these days. <laughs> so at, at any rate, I wanted to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're speaking with Daniel Ash, the Chief Marketing Officer at the Chicago Community Trust, and Francis Currents, the Director of the UIC Certificate in Nonprofit Management Program. We'll be taking questions as you see fit. We've already gone down the list, and if you have other questions since we have touched base, I will try again. And I also want to take a moment to let folks know that they can strengthen their organization's Giving Tuesday efforts by participating in Webinar Wednesdays. Every Wednesday from October 25th to December 6th, I'll be conducting webinars to help organizations strengthen their fundraising efforts for the end of the year and beyond. Contact me at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com for further information. So I'm going to call on some of you. Again, you may have questions since uh, since we last tried. So um, area code 773-624-0585. If you have a question, please um, share. If not, we will continue with Dan. Okay, did you have a question or comment? Yeah, I appreciate uh, the response to my original question uh, because I now have an actual a visual that I can bounce off of uh, what I felt would be appropriate in that you have your headline, your picture, and your uh, caption. And what I found on social media, that's all people want to read. It, it really, especially when you have a millennial-driven market, um, they're not trying to hear the story. And me being a baby boomer, condensing the story has been a challenge. And I've done everything from eliminating negative verbs like not, won't, don't, all that other stuff, to trying to be as simplistic as possible. Are there any other grammatical uh, pointers you can, can give for a person just trying to keep their message short, like maybe their headline is seven words or less or anything like that? Okay, Princess, you sounded like you wanted to give that yeah. a try. I just wanted to um, answer a question, but also answer, I think, in a, in a different way. And I think it's piggybacking on what Dan said earlier. Because people have 
a short amount of time and they they're looking for a bite size uh you know able to digest something you just don't want to have any image and any content so mm-hmm. even when when Dan is giving you some kind of fundamentals on how to structure your post you want to make sure that when I when you quickly look at that image you get an emotional response you get a visceral response to it it can't be something that you know, that's a sun horizon or something, you know, it had to be something because what the picture image video does, it makes someone pause. So if your image or video or content doesn't make me stop, read what you posted, then you already lost. So you want to make sure that when you're thinking about what, what headline you're having, you want an attention grabber. You don't want something that's sensational. Um, sometimes you do depending on your message, but you want something that is sensational to your brand, right? That makes the people who are interested in what you have to say pause and read. You don't want them to glaze over it. So you're thinking about how that picture, headline, caption is a trigger for them to continue. So how if that caption should be your closing for them to continue to do an action. So you 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 got to think about those those pieces too that it's it's not necessarily it's like um, it's it's how you say this or, this or what you say, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, how how you're saying those pieces, I think that are are are, are critical. Um, but people will read if if you stop them enough to grab their attention to actually want to read the rest of the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I um. <clears throat> so earlier in this um, session, we we talked about what the elements of a good story and um character is absolutely critical. So in social media, you have the opportunity over time to define your characters. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give an example. Um, say you I, there's actually a couple of folks that do this really well in our market, in, in the Chicago market, uh, school-based sort of fundraising, particularly mm-hmm. when you see um, – to charter schools. Set aside your opinions about charter schools for a moment. Some of, them, <laughs> some of them do a really good job telling their story. Some do not. Um, so you think about, I'm thinking about one charter school that does a good job. And what they do is that they always, um, they build their hero, right? Mm-hmm. So one element of the story is a who's the hero, who's the villain, right? In this context, they serving young men, um, that's the hero. Mm-hmm. So when you have a headline about like all of our young men, you know, achieve something, you know, that becomes a headline and the image is this, these young men um, sort of prepared to walk off into from school to college, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, really good job at saying we are successful we have something that works and you as donor as a or potential donor have have an opportunity to be part of that right um so the hero is not necessarily the donor it's not the teacher it's not the principal but in that stream stream of content it's the beneficiary and too often, particularly as you think about social service sort of um, cause marketing, the person who's benefiting is very rarely 
the hero, the person in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I, how did you make the person in the struggle go the hero? Now, there are times, of course, you have the golden apple teacher, right? And you, you use that, right? So I'm not saying those other hero angles don't work, but I'm using this one just to create kind of a, a, a sort of expose something that we rarely try to do. Um, this weekend, I was um, consuming content about the opioid epidemic, and um, which we have a whole show about how that's been positioned over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. But, mm-hmm. but when you think about opioids epidemic, epidemic, um, real context, real clear character development in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, the, in this case, the people who are being um, who, the, the addicted particularly of suburban, rural communities mm-hmm. um, that traditionally never saw themselves as being susceptible to um, drug epidemic. The pharmacies, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies, excuse me, as villain, right? Government as a potential sort of hero in terms of regulation. and But they're doing a lot there in, in terms of building a story with a lot of pathways where, you, where a, in a, a reader or consumer of the story can find their way into it mm-hmm. um, so so I think as fundraisers as nonprofit professionals we have to sort of follow those models and and, and create what I what I call sort of the roadmap of our story so mm-hmm. it goes back to the princess saying know thyself right you map out you know your characters map out those character profiles map out sort of the narr- narrative pathways, the narrative arcs that each of them can take. And then you start using that to guide the communication that appears mm-hmm. in your direct mail, the communication yep. that appears in uh, social media, the communication in your annual report, the speeches as an exec director that you give, yep. and as the caller noted, that elevator because he, he knows, and I love the way he, he, he sort of constructed that, he knows the elevator pitch, but he clearly, he, he clearly knows probably 11 versions of that elevator pitch <laughs> right. based on who's in the elevator with him yep, or your audience, right? right? Mm-hmm. If, it's, uh, if it's Terry Mazzani, the outgoing CEO of the Chicago Community Trust, he probably knew exactly how to how, what elevator pitch was appropriate for him mm-hmm. versus... Um, he's with a group of young millennials who are volunteering through the Chicago Cares program. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm totally making this up, but I'm saying, underscoring Princess's point, know your audience, and then the flip side of that is know the sort of many sort of um, variations of your narrative art, mm-hmm. your characters, and then you constantly have this. Um, dexterity of being able to pull the right story for the mm-hmm. right audience. Mm-hmm. But that, that's such a good, good point because you're talking about weaving your story through all of your messaging. Mm-hmm. That, that's why you don't have to, when you're thinking about your narrative, think about the theme. Like, what, what is your core message? Because if you have a core message, then based on the audience, you can say, always say and be true to your core message. You may be you may amplify different parts of it, yeah. Sh- uh, share a likeness around that particular thing based on that audience, but your core message is the same if you're able to identify that, right? So 
the, the biggest challenge is identify what is your core message, right? <laughs> what are you trying to convey? Um, having that kind of powwow, that, um, that uh, introspective moment that uh, people say come to Jesus moment to yeah. yourself about what really are you, are you doing and why are you doing it? If you have that, Everything else kind of builds on top of that. Everything else is kind of gravy. You're able to kind of be more flexible and scalable because you know what your core message is. You can say it, you know, in your sleep. But it has to be concise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't write, you can't uh, rest off a paragraph to someone and you have less than a minute to talk to them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I am loving this, guys. Uh, we have all of zero minutes. It's it's three o'clock, and there's still a few questions. And I know Dan has to get off to another meeting, and and it's not like you're not busy either, Princess. So I'm going to, you know, basically ask each of you um, to share, you know, some of your lessons learned, and then give a final statement, so to speak, and then we can wrap it up. So I will start with Dan, and then you, Princess. So the summary statement for me is, um, I'm going to go back to the initial thing. Um, stories are emotional, right? So the key to being an effective storytelling organization is to know your emotional core, um, to don't lead or talk in numbers. Mm -hmm. The numbers follow. Um, and aim to make personal connections through the storytelling. Um, so I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave with this set of advice and I know you can't do this in the run up to running Tuesday, but it's something to keep in mind for the next year. And, and with any campaign, because giving Tuesday is just one of many campaigns. Um, in order to build sort of more powerful storytelling, I think we as individuals have to be more comfortable, in our role as storytellers. Mm -hmm. um, so something I've done with a number of my um, teams over the course of my career is to actually have storytelling workshops. A couple of examples, um, taking a team to do improv, right? When you have a team that's doing improv and if they have to work the phones or if they have to go out and do presentations, uh, training in improv makes them much more comfortable. Um, again, owning the story, but also sort of using anything that's given to them to deliver their message. Um, ultimately, like, that's what improv is all about. The other thing is um, listening to um, listening to stories. Um, so I strongly encourage folks to um, go to StoryCorps and listen to folks as they tell stories. Listen to programs like the Ma. Um, read um, other good fundraising material. The things that actually trigger an emotional response in you is something that you probably should seek to model um, with your own story, your mm -hmm. own institutional sort of messages. Um, and then I'll end with this, and it's something I say to trust often. Um, don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. I know we spent an hour talking about storytelling, talking about it in the context of uh, uh, Illinois, I mean, Giving Tuesday, um, Illinois Gives. 
but even you sort of pull back from that immediate sort of issue, immediate platform, um, don't overthink the emotional piece. And so, the, again, the example at the trust is well-educated people, many of them PhDs in their, in their subject matter area. Um, you don't need someone to know as much as you do to care about an issue. Right. All you need them to do is feel its importance, right? And if they can, if you can create um, that level of empathy, right, then you're on a pathway to engagement, to connectedness. I'll end it there. And Princess, you can bring us home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just reiterating all those, you know, things to know. You know, know know thyself, know your impact, know your donors, and keep track. Um, you want to make sure you know what you're doing and how often you're doing it. I mean, one of the things in our Certificate for Nonprofit Management course, oftentimes nonprofits don't have the opportunity to have an expert coach kind of walk through and do their issue or help them build their strategy. And, um, you know, the thing about our courses is that you have someone like Valerie is one of them, thought leaders who really can help you build your strategy, build your fundraising plan, even if it's not for Giving Tuesday, but uh, thereafter, and you have a community of nonprofit professionals kind of working on those same issues. So you kind of pick their brain about how to, to do that kind of story development or character development. I think also with those things, you have to have confidence, uh, uh, as I said. Once you, once you know yourself and know your impact, you have to own it, and you have to um, uh, be able to articulate it with confidence. No one wants somebody who's unsure of, of what they can do. Okay, so if I'm giving somebody my money, I don't want them to be unsure about how to use it. Okay, I want them to be confident about what they can do. So. Uh, also, utilize your community, utilize your network to amplify your message, uh, particularly if you are new to the social media sphere, you don't have a large following, but your constituency may, your stakeholders may. How can you involve them and empower them to want to get involved in sharing your story? So, I mean, the main thing is to, to, to know your worth and being able to communicate that effectively and then knowing that Giving Tuesday should not be the the, the only thing that you're doing. It should be something that furthers what you've been doing all year because it is in November. So it's something that either if you haven't, it jumpstarts your plan for uh, the rest um, on the next year, but it's, it, it should not be the inner beginning point uh, to your, your, um, your fund development strategy. Mm-hmm. And we're here for you. So, you know, uh, you know, we our courses are all year long. They're five weeks. You get a chunk of your schedule. Uh, it's online, um, and we also have on-ground courses too. So, you know, being able to figure out who your champions and networks are and tap on them to help you. That's it for me. I don't know if I brought that home or not, Dan. But you, you. <laughs> it's, you brought it. That's it. We're home. Uh, oh my goodness! And I don't want to go home. I'm so busy listening and you know there's just so much to learn every time I sit with you guys I learn something new and I say thank you thank you thank you you cut my head open I I love the audience but they cut my head open today I I, I took very copious notes and I thank you very much 
Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Okay, so we've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank Daniel Ash, the Chief Marketing Officer at the Chicago Community Trust, and Princess Currents, Director of the UIC Certificate and Nonprofit Management Program, for being our guest today. I will have the show ready for download within about an hour. And in the meantime, make sure you join us next week when our guest will be Carrie Anastad. She is the Development Manager at the Minnesota Council of Nonprofits. And Andrea Sanow, she is the Grant Advisor Coordinator of the Minnesota Council of Nonprofits. They will talk to us about the new Grant Advisor platform. You may have heard about that by now. But it allows grantees and prospective grantees to share reviews of their experiences with foundations and their grant-making processes. So that will be a very, very interesting conversation, and I hope you can join us. So I shall see you next week. And again, thank you, Princess and Dan. Thank you. Thanks, and fun.